from Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. These beginning words, therefore be imitators of God as dear children, they sound so simple, but they are profound. To even imagine that you and I could be able to imitate God even in one of the smallest ways seems presumptuous, beyond measure. But yet, we are all commanded to do it. Each one of us to be imitators of God. Some years ago in another study that I was doing regarding this command to be an imitator of God, I confess that I struggled a lot even to comprehend the concept of imitating God. Because my understanding of the meaning of imitation is one that seems always to to fall short of what I know that God must intend with these words. Much like an artist trying to draw or to paint a picture of what God really looks like will always fall short. Or as an actor who might try to act out the part of God will always fall short. So did all of my efforts seem to fall short when I considered how I should imitate him. In speaking to a friend at that time about this command, my friend suggested that I pursue my understanding of this word imitation from the context of participation. Participation rather than simple imitation. That before any real imitation of God could take place, my efforts would need to always be filled with the intimate presence of God's Holy Spirit intertwined within my own. And though at that time I was already sure that I needed to have this intimate presence of the Holy Spirit dwelling in me, this word participation helped me to get a fuller understanding of God's intention in this word imitation. And then to further confirm the understanding of the word participation, the Greek word that God has used here for imitator, it also means follower or to follow after the ways of God. And you find that translation in the King James Version. And this manner of following after his ways that he speaks about here is not one of a general following after as we are so apt to consider it, but a far more specific and very demanding manner of following. Much along the line of an example that I gave a few weeks back of this training video that I observed of a police dog going through its training session. And in that video, I'll remind you, the dog walked between this trainer's legs, literally in lockstep with that trainer, with his full attention. He seemed to be able to keep his full attention on what was in front of him, but also on his trainer's face 
firmly fixed upon his trainer so that he could then go through step by step and never miss one step. That's the sense that God gives us here as he commands us to be imitators of him. Here God is saying that he wants you and me to walk step by step through all the matters of our day and not just in those bigger matters, but especially in the very common and ordinary matters of our day with ordinary people. Why do I say that? It is because this command, as I mentioned earlier, comes right on the heels of all of these other instructions from the Lord about us putting off our old self and replacing that old self with a whole new self, one that is actually holy and righteous towards other people. Let me read those words from chapter 4, beginning in verse 22. Put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. This word likeness that he gives here in verse 24 the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness is the imitation that we're commanded to do here in verse 1 of chapter 5. Now again, what does God mean in this command? And why does He give us this command? Why do we need God's ever-present Holy Spirit to be so intimately involved in every ordinary transaction and activity of our day? Does not the rest of the world, the majority of the rest of the world, go about their ordinary activities without even a thought of God? And yes, that is true. But the real truth is, though most of those people all throughout the world do conduct themselves as if God did not exist, He really does exist. And He has a divine plan that's at work every moment within every life, and within every circumstance. And His plan is being worked out whether those people acknowledge Him or not. Let me repeat that. He is working out His plan whether they acknowledge Him or not. God is God. And He has divinely ordained that every person, every activity, and every circumstance will be intimately connected with Him, many of them with you and me, and with other people. And then to emphasize that, I want to say that while we most often don't realize that it's taking place, every event within our own personal lives, within your personal life, is always interconnected with so many, many other people and having an impact and meaning and opportunity and making provisions that we don't know is taking place. But it is. Now what do I mean with what I'm saying? I'd like to give us some practical examples that I've just been going through in this past couple of weeks. Recently, I have become aware that I need some important electrical work done in my house. 
Now, the common, ordinary thing for me to do is to seek out at least three bids from three reputable repairmen. Then the usual path is to take the lowest price bid. And that is often a good plan. I have practiced that in my business, and it's been a good plan. But I'm beginning to ask myself more often these days, is it the plan of God? Is that the plan of God? Is simply accepting the lowest bid on a project the absolute indicator of the will of God? It might seem like good business, but is it an indicator of God's will? What about other factors that might be being involved? What if God does not want that lowest bidder to do the work? Perhaps that man is not as skilled as he should be to do my job well. Or perhaps God has another more important plan for that man and for his time and for his circumstances. And God would rather that that man be somewhere else, working on some other job. But now if that be so, what about the extra money then? I will have to pay if I hire that higher-priced repairman. Perhaps God wants me to understand that He, God, is always the ultimate provider of all of our needs and circumstances and that He'll provide that extra money that will be needed for that other man. There are so many factors that are involved. We'll stop and ask, what is the will of God? Another question. Why doesn't God simply lead the repairman of his choice directly to me? That would seem so much easier. And sometimes God does exactly that. But in those times when he does not, I'm to understand that I must trust that he is simply working out some other dynamics within my life and within the other people's lives. Those other ones that might be giving bids on projects and so on. But as for me, the Lord may be working out the elements of simple faith and trust. Acknowledgement of His hand. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6 again. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not to thine own understanding, but in all thy ways acknowledge Him and He will direct your path. Now in my situation, the lowest bidder did not show up to look over the job and to firm up that contract as He had promised. I asked the Lord for His guidance about that. And I was led in my thoughts to give that first man three days to show up. If he did not, then I would accept the bid of another higher-priced repairman. Now, do my actions assure me that I am following God's will, that I'm thinking like He thinks, that I am imitating Him as these Scriptures here command, considering my needs but considering the needs of other people? I truly do believe that such considerations 
or at least a step in that right direction. To trust and to accept that God has his personal hand at work in each situation. I pray that verse, by the way, every morning. It's in Psalm 119, right at the end, about five or six verses before the end of Psalm 119. I ask the Lord, put your personal hand into all that I do. That's what He wants. He wants me to trust and accept that His personal hand is at work in each situation. God knows my heart. And He knows that I really do want to do exactly as He wants me to do. To do as this verse 2 commands. Walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given Himself for us. An offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. Now how is this manner of my behavior walking in love? It is that I genuinely am concerned that I choose the right repairman. And not just so as to get a right price and a good job, but to also fulfill God's plan for those other men, for that man and the subsequent ones that I might choose. God has one man and only one man that he wants to do that work. Perhaps the second man needs the work and the money more than that first man. Perhaps the Lord wants me to spend some special time with that second man. I really don't know. God doesn't reveal all those things to us up front. But if I'm able to rightly discern God's will and to follow the right path, then surely a far better result will take place. As I think of similar applications of this in considering the Lord's hand in the ordinary matters of our daily life, perhaps one of you is working in a place that's not comfortable to you. Or perhaps they don't pay well. Is that an indicator of God's will about where we should be working? It might be. But it might not be. Just because your boss or your co-workers make your life uncomfortable does not mean you should leave. God may have you positioned there as a witness of Him and as a beacon of His grace. And just because you can make more money somewhere else does not define God's will, though you might need that money. Perhaps that next place, though it pays better, will be a far more uncomfortable place to work with even more difficult bosses and difficult working conditions. If we are diligent to seek the will of God in our decisions about these ordinary matters of life, where we work, and all of those other kinds of matters. He will direct our paths. And it may be some years later that you're able to realize that you actually made the right decision. But He will eventually confirm it to you. He has with me. Because God has been doing these similar things for me and my family all throughout our lives our coming to work at French camp, our provisions for all of our family needs, 
our purchase of our home, our ministering here at the church. Folks, God is intimately involved in each and every decision that each of us makes, and everything we do is intimately connected to someone or something else. And if we could get that perspective within our minds, we would be far better imitators of Him. God wants you and me to be aware of His plans and His purposes for the people that show up along our paths. You and I must never think for a minute that the next involvement that we have is merely coincidental. There really is no such thing as a random coincidence. It does not happen with God. Here at the end of chapter 4, after telling us about several ways we can put off our old self, God immediately reminds us of what we've been speaking about here. He tells us in verse 32, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ forgave you. Now may I confess that my first response to that first repairman that placed a bid, when he didn't show up, I started to get a twinge of anger. But I fortunately started thinking about this, being an imitator of God, and that God might have other plans. And just because that man did not show up, and just because he did not even call, does not give me the privilege of being angry at him. And I really should not be. I should instead look for God's hand in that matter. That I should be kind and tender-hearted towards that man. Forgiving him. And then he tells us on in verses 1 and 2 of chapter 5, So therefore be imitators of God as dear children. Walking as God would walk, realizing that more is at stake than simply this transaction that's going on between this man and I. It's only the vehicle for God working out His plan. And I am to walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given Himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. Do I want my behavior in those circumstances, those ordinary circumstances of life, do I want those, my behavior, to be a sweet-smelling aroma to God? May I say again that probably the most important understanding that's to be gained from these words is that all of the people and all of the circumstances of our daily life are intricately connected with someone else, with some other circumstance. That which we do and say in one situation will have meaningful impact in the lives of others, many of which we might never know about. Those seemingly ordinary conversations that we involve ourselves within each day, they carry a lot of influence and consequence. And the same could be said about those conversations that we did not involve ourselves in, that we should have involved ourselves in, but didn't. If you and I truly obey this command to be imitators of God, then surely our perspective 
will need to get a lot bigger. A lot bigger. For we once only considered this small circle of concern that we had for ourselves. Now we need to expand that concern on out to include each of those people and those circumstances that take place along our path each day. Unfortunately, that bigger perspective often simply boggles the mind of most people, even some of the most dedicated believers. It truly is more comfortable for us to think small, to only deal with this immediate circumstance and the people in front of us. But listen, such smallness of mind will surely leave us far short of God's plan for us. He is big and His plan is big. And to try to simply ignore His bigger plan in favor of our smaller, more comfortable plan will not reach to the level of this command to be imitators of God. We need to be willing to stretch and to become the imitator, the participator in the circumstances and with the people that God places along our paths. And may I repeat, they are placed there by God. There are never any coincidences. But how then do we begin? Fortunately for us in most ways, our part, our participation, our imitation, this following of God, is simple. You and I simply have to earnestly and intentionally invite Him, acknowledge Him, and His involvement at each one of these steps of our daily life. And we need to be confident and know that from the very first moment that we were saved, God had already done His part. He has thoroughly equipped us with everything that we need to carry on forward with our part. His Holy Spirit brought all of those character qualities that go into our imitation, our participation, our following of His ways with God's spiritual gifts that He gives to us and then these ever-present fruits of the Holy Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, goodness, and self-control. Those are character qualities of God. And they make it easier for you and me to imitate Him. Our part, our participation in the imitation of God is simply to commit ourselves to be intentional as we go about our day, as we encounter these people and the circumstances. Now, last question before we close. What are we to do when we have been obedient to this command? And we have diligently given ourselves over to seeking and following God's will. But the circumstances still go awry. And our ministry to some of those people seem to still fall short. Because that does happen. And probably often. We can see it written all through these scriptures. We can see it with Isaiah. We can see it with Jeremiah. We can see it with Jesus himself for the free will of those that we are dealing with, that they were dealing with, got in the way and caused 
what would seem to be failure. First thing we have to do is ask ourselves, what is the true measurement of success or failure? Is it in those outward results, those expectations that we would have of those people? Or is success and failure measured in another manner altogether? When Isaiah was called to go and give God's message to the people of Israel, they completely rejected Isaiah and they rejected God. But God counseled Isaiah to not be discouraged. His purpose was simply to be the messenger. Nothing more and nothing less. Sometimes that is God's plan for you and me. Simply to be God's messenger. And to leave the responses and the handling of those responses to God. And we need to be satisfied with simply being the messenger. And so then our our part remains the same. To humbly and diligently step on forward to do our part. To acknowledge that God really is involved in everything that's taking place in our day. The most ordinary of things. And to imitate God in all of His gracious attributes. To participate in the plan that He has already put into place. We don't need to think up a new plan. God already has one in place. And then simply to trust that God has all the rest of the plan completely under His control. May I close with these words. Therefore be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given Himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. Let's pray.